What's going on, fishing folks? Welcome to another fantastic edition of On the Hook Podcast. I am your host, Daryl Barris, and today's guest is none other than Justin Lucas. Now, Justin's going to be talking a lot about fishing, uh, what he did growing up, and how that move from California to Alabama has helped his career. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsors. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the Go Fish Cam. See what the fish are doing and become a better angler. The Go Fish Cam is your personal underwater fish eye. And flat out tungsten, there is no equal. Bass Edition Gear took everything good about tungsten and made it better. It's also brought to you by Bugs Fishing Lures. Tight life flies, fish like lures, bugs catch fish. Use lures that take the best from the fly fishing world to catch your next big lunker. But here is Justin Lucas, guys, without further ado. All right, so Justin, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, no problem at all. So if possible, fill in the gas for us. Tell us a bit about yourself and where you come from. Uh, well, I li- I've lived in Alabama for eight years now. I'm uh, 31 years old and grew up in Northern California around the Sacramento area. And the uh, first time I came out here to the South, I, I was around Lake Gunnersville in Northeast Alabama, fell in love with it. And before I got married and had a kid, I went ahead and moved away from California and I didn't know I was in for the long haul when I did it. But Happily married now and just got a fresh two month old boy. Uh, so it's been, it's been an awesome off season and uh, looking forward to getting the year started. Oh, well, congratulations. Maybe you're giving us another future Bassmaster Classic winner there. Yeah, you'll, you'll have him on in about 18 years. So good deal. <laughs> so, so let's break it down a little bit. Um, when did you say, okay, I'm going to be a professional angler? Honestly, I, I mean, people think I'm crazy when I say this, but I was about 13 years old. I knew I was going to be too small to play baseball or basketball, which I loved, but uh, I was 13 years old and uh, I was working at a pumpkin patch to make money to buy a fishing tackle. And I started fishing little tournaments with my grandpa. We won some money in a tournament, 641 bucks. I remember winning our first, that was our first win. And uh, he gave me a little bit of money out of that. And I was 13 and thought that was the coolest thing ever. And it sure in the heck beat working at the pumpkin patch. And I knew I wasn't going to be big enough for baseball or basketball. So that's kind of when I started going all in. Wow. You're 13, huh? Yeah. I mean, honestly, man, my dad was five, six, you know, and I loved baseball and basketball, but I knew that if I wanted to be really good at fishing, that I needed to quit, you know, focus on one, quit the other two. And, uh, you know, just spend all my time and energy towards that. And that's exactly what I did as a high schooler. I mean, every weekend, as soon as I get out of school, you know, my grandpa and I, we head up, head up somewhere in Northern California and go fishing for the weekend. And that's just what I grew up doing, man. From the time I was 13, 14 years old till, till now, you know, it's, that's been the lifestyle I've been living. And how was that journey for you? I mean, you started when you were 13 and you started fishing tournaments. Uh, did you win a lot of tournaments growing up or is it something you just kept pursuing to, so you can get better and better at it? Well, we, yeah, we struggled. You know, we started at the very bottom level of tournament fishing. So we, we used to fish in tournaments called the Future Pro Tour. And uh, they had even, it was small enough that they had two separate uh, horsepower categories. So we started in a 16 foot ho- 16 foot boat with a 90 horsepower motor and we were in the under 100 horsepower class and tournament entries were like 60 bucks at the time maybe 80 bucks whatever uh but that's where we started so i can literally stay or say that i started at the very bottom uh, and i've hit you know every level climbing the ladder on the way up 
And I think it's really important for people out there that are listening to start where you're you know, where your love, your skill level is meant to be, start at that level and work your way up and don't skip a level. You know, when you're, when you start winning enough tournaments and you're making enough money to move on to the next level, that's when you're ready to do it. So during your younger years, say 13 to 17, 18, while you're in high school, what was the biggest lesson or some of the biggest lessons you've learned uh, throughout that time that got you where you are today? That was mostly just, you know, a lot of, uh, getting my techniques and stuff like that dialed in. Uh, you know, I, I was fishing kind of the same lakes over and over. So it wasn't, it wasn't really prepping me for fishing new water, but I was getting good at certain techniques, you know? So that's where I learned. That's the time frame that I really learned how to drop shot well and wacky rig and some of our Western techniques, you know, and, and of course flipping and everything else. The beauty of growing up in Northern California where I did is we had so many different places to fish that were, you know, so diverse from each other. And it really allowed me to, uh, you know, get, get good at a variety of techniques and that's paid off in the long run. And that's why you see a lot of great anglers, not calling myself a great angler, but that's why you see a lot of great anglers like Aaron Martin, Skeet Reese, Brent Ayler, all these guys coming from the West coast from California specifically, because we have such diverse uh, options out there when you head to the lake and what you want to do. And all of this was in California. So eventually, when, when did you move from California to Alabama? I was 23. I think it was 2010. It was January 2010. And uh, it was just, man, it was one of those things. I I met another fisherman. Uh, I was helping out with college fishing tournaments. I'd met a fisherman at one of the colleges here in Alabama. He said he had an extra room and was looking for a roommate. And, uh, I thought, why not, man, I'll, I'll leave California for a little while and see how it goes and, uh, never look back uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a great move. I always say I've made three good moves in my career. And, uh, one of them was moving from California to Alabama just to get situated out here before I really got started in my career. And the other was, uh, switching from or switching to Phoenix boats from another boat brand. I just absolutely love my boat. And I feel like it's made me a better fisherman too. And then switching from FLW to Bassmaster. Those are the three big decisions that I've made uh, that have been tough decisions, but they ended up being the right ones. All right. So was it a culture shock for you when you moved from Cali to to Alabama? And did you have to change your style of fishing at all? As far as being a culture shock, I mean, somewhat. You know, you're talking West Coast to the South. I mean, there's definitely some differences there, but I actually grew up uh, for the most part in the country, uh, you know, my, my younger years in life. And so for me living out here in the country, getting away from traffic and stuff was actually a nice thing. I, I, I love it out here. And uh, as far as the fishing goes, I, I picked Gunnersville specifically because of the Tennessee river that flows through, you know, the lake here and the way that it fishes is the way that the Tennessee River fishes is one of the few uh, types of lakes that we didn't have in California. We didn't have a we didn't have lakes that were built by river systems with locks and dams, and uh, so that was something that I knew I needed to get good at because of how many tournaments every year are on the Tennessee River. Uh, you know, from Kentucky Lake, Pickwick, Wilson, and Wheeler, Gunnersville, and Chickamauga. Uh, those are all Tennessee River lakes, and I knew that those would be on a schedule at some point, you know, probably every year. And so I really needed to figure out how to catch fish on the Tennessee River. 
And speaking of that, the, the first tournament of, of the season is, is at Lake Martin in Alabama. Um, I'm pretty sure by now you're very familiar with that lake. Uh, do you think you have an advantage at all over some of the people on the field as far as it being your quote-unquote home state now and your home waters? Well, as long as I've lived here, eight years now, I've never fished there until just a few weeks never. ago. Never. Oh, wow. I mean, it's not a destination in Alabama. Why would I want to leave Lake Guttersville and go to a lake to catch 10 pounds, you know? But I, uh, I, I think I think the thing that will play into my, the benefit for me is just the fact that uh, there's some good-sized spotted bass in the lake and some of the western techniques that I grew up fishing work on those fish. So if conditions can be right, I can catch them maybe doing some techniques that other guys aren't doing, and that might pay off in the in the four-day tournament. Now, do you care to elaborate on those techniques, or are you think you're going to keep it secret for the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I'll, we can talk after the tournament. I'm not going to talk there about it. There you go. <laughs> Good Speaking of, uh, here's a question, off-the-wall question. Um, how often do you catch fish during a tournament and during weigh-in, you tell the MC, you know, that you caught it on something completely different? I don't ever lie. If, I, if I'm I would just rather not tell the truth. So gotcha. uh, if I get up there and say, Hey, I'm not telling you, then that's all it is. But if I get up there and say what I caught him on, you know, that's, that's what I caught him on. And generally that's on the third or fourth day when the tournament's coming to an end. Exactly. Good deal. So, um, let's go three biggest, you no know, achievements or three biggest choices that made the most impact was switching the Phoenix books. Uh, why do you like the Phoenix boat so much? For me, it was, uh, well, number one is I, I fished as a co-angler, so I've, I've rowed in every boat out there. And uh, the number one thing was quality. And number two is the ride. I, I wanted a boat that rode really well. And you get both of those. Those are the two most important things that I think make a Phoenix so great. Uh, but then you've also got speed, storage, thought out design by tournament fishermen, you know, Gary Klaus, he is the president of the company. He fishes in Bassmaster Opens and major league fishing. So he gets it. He's out there in, in his boat all the time and he knows what he can do to make it better. And uh, that's why you've seen them grow so much. I mean, shoot, man, they started, they started the company just after or right during the recession back in 2007, eight in that time period. So for them to have started in the worst possible time, and be where they're at now, I think really speaks volumes of uh, the company as, as, as a whole and the boat, you know, being such a quality product. And do you already have your boat set up and ready for the tournament this year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I got it about a month ago and I've got Humminbird uh, Solix 12-inch units on it. Of course, the new Minkota Old Trex 10-foot Talons and I'm running the 921 Pro XP with the Yamaha. Uh, 250 SHO and it's just to me it doesn't get any better there's if you could give me any other boat with everything else out there that's what I would take is what I've already got so I'm very very comfortable and happy with what I'm fishing out of yeah the 921 I haven't been inside the 921 on the 921 for a ride but um, I've had some people uh, come back and tell me it's in a fantastic boat it is, man. Hey, when the camera guy gets in your boat and he's not even a fisherman and he's excited that he's in a Phoenix because it rides so well, you know you're in a good ride, man. Good deal. Now, now your second choice uh, you say you made was going from FLW to uh, the Bassmaster Series. Uh, why is that such an important choice for you? Well, for me, it was uh, I love FLW. I, I think they played a, I know that they played a huge and important, pivotal part in my career. 
but for me, I was, you know, I was 27 years old or so when I switched over to the elites. And it was a thing where I asked myself, hey, are, are you going to be doing this for the next 20 years? And if you are, uh, you need to you need to go over to Bass where you can build better relations with sponsors, better relationships with your partners and sponsors and, uh, you know, make those relationships last a long time. You see so much more uh, longevity in those relationships between the anglers over at Bass and, uh, you know, the elite side uh, versus FLW. And, And you can make more money, you know, off of endorsements over on the elite side. They just get more coverage. It's kind of always been that way, but, uh, that's not taken away from the quality of fishermen at FLW or anything like that. Like I said, I I wouldn't be where I'm at without FLW, so I certainly appreciate uh, you know starting my career with them. All right, fishing folks, we're going to hear more from Justin Lucas in just one second, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Flipping heavy cover? Well, it can be a field of dreams or a nightmare without the right tungsten. That's why we at Bass Addiction Gear created the Flat Out Tungsten, the only line of weights you will ever need. Our no-paint, four-step patent pinning process keeps a flat, neutral color, so there's no longer need for a magic marker or spray paint. And with our smooth bore and rifling, you will get no cuts and breakage of the line. Best of all, we don't inflate our prices like the other brands. Don't be fooled by copycats. It's Bass Addiction's Flat Out Tungsten. There is no equal. Did that fish commit or did it take a lazy swipe in my lure? Should I speed up my retrieval or slow it down? When you can't see what the bass are doing, these are just a few of the questions you ask yourself, but not anymore. The GoFish cam ties on between your main line and lure, giving you a fish eye view of what's going on, allowing you to see what the bass are doing and make the necessary adjustments. It's your underwater eyes and your new fish finder. It's the GoFish cam. Check them out at gofishcam.com slash OTH and use promo code OTH to save 15% off your order. Howdy from Texas. This is Heath Hipple with Bugs Fishing. Bugs are fishing lures that are tied like flies. They're great for sight casting because they land softly, look alive in the water, and imitate what the fish are feeding on. Please visit BugsFishing.com to learn more, and that's Bugs with two Gs. You can also see everything I'm tying on the Bugs Fishing Instagram and Facebook pages. Remember, tide like flies, fish like lures, bugs catch fish. Catch you later. Now, Justin, I am a lure junkie. If you look in my office right now, there's lures on the wall behind me. There's lures on my desk. Uh, I have two bookshelves full of lures. So I always want to talk about what people are using. And for you, if you had to pick one lure out there right now that you are confident would catch you a a tournament winning bass, what lure would it be? Ooh, right now. Hmm. Just pick one. Ooh, that's tough. Like this time of year right now? This time of year right now, you had to pick up a rod and reel and go out there right now to catch one. I'd probably have to say like the new, uh, I just signed with, uh, I just signed with Molex recently and I'd probably say a Molex Kento jig with a, probably just a Berkeley Chigger Craw trailer on the back. That's probably what I would have to pick. If I was just to go out right now, it's cold, you know, and they love a jig this time of year. So that's probably what I'd pick. You know, I have never fished with anything from Molex at all. They got really quality stuff. It was, uh, 
I had actually not paid a whole lot of attention to him. I've known that I can only was working with them for a long time. Um, they approached me and said that they were wanting to build their market in the USA. And, uh, I started looking at the products and was just really impressed with the quality and design of the product and, uh, definitely happy to be throwing their spinner baits and buzz baits and jigs. And of course, putting the trigger crawl, that's my favorite jig trailer of all time. So putting that thing on the back, uh, from Berkeley, man, that, that's just a good combination right there. Right, and with that, what kind of rod riddle line are you using as well? I would be probably 12 or 15 pound trilene, 100% fluorocarbon. And uh, I'd say probably a seven foot three heavy action, uh, Fantasista Premier, Abu Garcia Rod, and a Revo MGX. Good deal. Yep. Now, by any chance, is that part of that secret lures and, and stuff you're going to be using for uh, Lake Martin? It, you know, it could be, it could be, but I, I don't know. It just depends. That, that's a, to me, that's a little, that's a large mouth setup right there. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I talk, if I target large mouth at Smith, that'll certainly play a factor. Um, but if I, you know, if I decide to stick with spots, uh, that's a little bit too bulky for those spots and their little mouths. So we'll see, man, we'll see how the, how that week unfolds and what the weather does. We got another big cold spell coming through that I've been really watching the weather and trying to keep an eye on. And of course, we just had this big cold spell and another one coming. So the water temps are going to be really low and there could be some weird techniques playing, you know, playing into uh, into that week of the tournament. Now, I want to get into something that I've never talked to somebody about uh, here on the podcast. And this is about storing your your lures on your boat and at home. How do you store your your lures? Are, are they all together? Or are they separated? What's your system that you, you do to take place? Oh man, I I use Bass Mafia caskets. They're a clear box, and they have a they have a watertight seal uh, around them, which is amazing to keep the rust out. And uh, a couple years ago, I started color coding them. So I got uh, label I got labels at Staples that are color code. You know, there's green ones, red ones, orange, white, and uh, I just do everything by that. So if it's soft plastics, and I keep them in those boxes, I put a green label on it. If it's uh, hard baits, like crankbaits, jerkbaits, anything like that, I put a red label on it. And topwater's orange label and swimbait stuff is yellow and jigs and anything that's got a, you know, jig head like that, swimbait head, something like that, I'm going to put a, a white label on. And then I can stack them in my garage by color and I can go find exactly what I need at any point take, you know, in under 30 seconds. And uh, that's probably been the biggest adjustment I've made. And then of course, just putting it in the, just putting that stuff in the boat too. You know, I know that when I lift up in my lid, I don't have to look through, you know, 15 boxes that just have permanent marker written on them. I'm looking for the color I want and then looking for the one I want. And it just makes the whole process a lot easier. Uh, but then on soft plastics, I really like using the Bass Mafia briefcase. It's a soft sided bag. I will put some soft plastics in a hard case, but most of them go in a soft-sided bag. I keep those in the rod locker. And uh, so all my hard stuff in the center, soft stuff in the rod locker to the right. And it's just a really good system for me. Everybody else, you know, everybody's different, but it works really well for me. I didn't know you were a Bass Mafia guy. I just got off the phone with Jeremy about an hour or so ago. Yep. Great guy, man. Yeah. Now, have you used a Bass Mafia line bag at all? I'm very interested in seeing how that performs. I helped design that thing, and it's it's phenomenal. You can put 10 spools in there. You don't need any tension. There's enough tension in there put on, so you can spool up all on your own. 
uh, don't have to have somebody hold a pencil and hold the spool or anything like that. It's, it really is a phenomenal bag. Yeah. And you know, I saw it when they were teasing it and I was like, that's the most logical thing ever. And then, so I, I got to get a hold of one to try it out. Heck yeah, man. You'll love it. Good deal. Now, tournament season starts lake martin is the first one how do you go about preparing for the tournaments and and what mental aspects do you have to play with yourself to get yourself psyched up to go out there and, and grill it out for you no know, three four days there's not much mentally i need to do i haven't fished a tournament since september so right now i'm just you know like just chomping at the bit to get out there dude i can't stand it but uh as far as you know, getting ready for that tournament. I'm going to go over to Smith Lake this next week, spend some time over there. It's a deep, clear reservoir too, kind of like Martin. They don't set up exactly the same, but they both have spotted bass and the techniques that I can use will be the same. So the fish not may, may not be on the same stuff from lake to lake, but the techniques, I know that, you know, I know that they'll eat them at both lakes and I'm just going to go over there for three or four days and kind of get fine tuned in on those techniques and uh, just try and not, you know, I want to go to that tournament ready to go, knowing that, you know, my hook sets are good. Everything's back in shape because you can get rusty, uh, when you take some time off in the fall, especially for me having this, having the baby this fall, I haven't had as much time as I normally do to go fishing. And so the, this next week getting out there for three or four days is going to be really important just to get out there, uh, put the cell phone down, man, no work, you know, just straight fishing. And I'm looking forward to getting out there and doing that. I haven't done that in a little while. Good deal. Are you the type that, you know, you take information from everywhere that you found or is it something that you just, the week of, you go out there and you figure it out once you get there? You know, for the most part, going out and figuring out when I get there, I mean, I've done a little research online about Lake Martin, um, but I, I'm a kind of, you know, the type of guy that likes to show up and just have an idea of what I want to do, but put the boat in the water and start seeing what looks good and what doesn't and go from there. That's just been the way that I've I've tried to always do it. Some guys like to keep notes and logs and all that. I, I just haven't done that, man. I feel like I've got a, I feel like I've got a great memory and, uh, you know, I don't feel like it's really failed me to this point. You know, we've, we've had some really good seasons under our belt. And, uh, yeah, man, just looking forward to, to getting back out there this year and trying to, trying to get away from last year. That was the one year that was just a little, you know, not normal for me to miss, miss the classic and I'm ready to get some revenge on it. Now you've been fishing tournament, like you said, since you've been, you were 13 years old. What are some things that you believe other people might be missing as far as their, you know, tournament prepping or, you know, just fishing tournaments in general? What have you learned in these, you know, 17 years you've been fishing tournaments that or 18 years now as you've been fishing tournaments that you don't think other people might be missing? Yeah, I think that some people are just too hard-headed, you know, that they, they want to catch them on certain stuff and they don't have an open enough mind uh, to pick up, you know, whether it be a – sometimes, you know, in some of the most odd places, picking up a spinning rod and throwing light line will get you that extra bite. And uh, that's the type of stuff I grew up doing in California. Heck, I won the Potomac River on strictly a spinning rod. And uh, that's a place with shallow grass and it should be all bait caster braid, you know, heavy, heavy fluorocarbon. And it was just that week, man, that's what they wanted. So picking up, uh, picking up a spinning rod more often just to focus on getting some bites is, you know, what I tell a lot of people that are getting started, you know, do that, get confident in a shaky head and a drop shot, and that kind of stuff, because that, that stuff will only become your friend when you're, you know, praying for a bite some days. 
You know, that's something that I really don't understand. I grew up fishing the saltwater area here in Florida and sure, and we all use a spinning baits, uh, excuse me, spinning rods and light, light tackles. So that's what I grew up using. What's the prejudice against using spinning rods and, and light tackle? Why don't the, the diehard bass guys like doing that? I'm not sure why they don't like doing it. You know, I mean, the guys at our level do, um, they don't, they're not afraid to pick that stuff up, but it just seems like some people, you know, at lower level tournaments just get so stuck on having to always power fish for the fish and, you know, throwing bigger stuff that they just don't realize that. And especially, you know, it, it really starts to matter when you start fishing multiple day tournaments um, because you might be able to go out there the first day of a tournament and just blast them on big stuff. That's mm-hmm. fine. But those fish get conditioned and they get used to seeing that stuff. And, you know, as the week goes on, sometimes that lighter line is really where, you know, that, that starts to play into your advantage. Yeah. Like, you know, I see people all the time, they scoff at it. Like it's a, like they can't touch a spinning rod, but um, like I said, I grew up with this. So I, I don't really get the sentiment of, of the, the bait casters, but. Um, sure. Well, speaking of, have you ever, you know, fishing up in California, were you ever near the salts or did you ever do any saltwater fishing? I never did any out there. I've gone to Venice, Louisiana the last two years though. And that's been, uh, that's been a really cool thing. Man. <laughs> I'm, fish. Of, I'm addicted to it now. Yeah. It's oh, the redfish, the cobia, uh, you know, I haven't done any bass fishing. I've heard that's great, but it's just a, a really good time down there. Yeah. That's one area where you can go and catch pretty much anything you want on any different cast. And it's, it is a, it's a blast up there. Yeah. It's an amazing place, man. I'm definitely going to try and go every year from here on out. Well, Justin, this is near the end of our podcast, and I'm, I'm do enjoy that talking to you and everything you, you've been telling us. But uh, before we go, if you can give us one little nugget of wisdom, one piece of advice for everybody listening to make them a better angler, what would it be? Spend time on the water. You know, I, I always tell people I, I'm more afraid of the guy that is uh, is fishing, you know, three or four days a week and and fishing with. Uh, you know, less expensive gear, but he's out there all the time than the guy that's working, uh, you know, six, seven days a week to, and barely getting out there on the water to, you know, he's just trying to afford nice gear. And so, you know, I can, I can catch fish just as well on $79 rods and, you know, the Abu Garcia Vendetta, something like that. And the Revo X, the new $99 one, you're talking about a combo under 200 bucks. And so fish with that, you know, the stuff that, will allow you to spend more time on the water and, and not working because it's all about experience. It's all about getting on the water and, uh, and learning from mistakes, you know, trial and error. And, uh, you can only do that by being out there. You can only read so much and watch so many videos and listen to so many podcasts, but you've got to go out there and do it yourself. So that time on the water is critical. Good deal. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up one of those Molex lures that you spoke about, uh, put a, right. a Berkeley Chickacraw on it, and I'm going to go out there and fish it. And I'm going to do a full review on the Fisherman's Journal website. And if possible, I want to have you back on so we can talk more about it. And you know, I can discuss exactly why you, you, you chose that lure and that setup for it. Sure, man. Sounds great. Just cut a little bit off the head of that Chickacraw, maybe like a half inch or so. All right, good deal. I just made that note. I'll definitely do that. Awesome. All right, Justin, again, thanks a lot for coming on. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you do in a couple of weeks in Lake Martin. All right, thank you. That sounds good, Justin. I appreciate it. Take care. 
All right, fishing folks, be sure to check out our previous podcast episode with the Go Fish Cam crew. We are giving away a camera to one of you lucky listeners. Just listen to the podcast and you'll figure out exactly how you can enter to win your camera. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook at On The Hook Podcast, uh, the Fisherman's Journal website, as well as On The Hook Fishing, the Facebook group. Until next time, guys, tight lines and big fish.